Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the Word. My reading is going to come from the book of Genesis, the third chapter, the 22nd verse. But before I get into that 22nd verse, I feel that it's expedient for me to take you back a little bit to refresh some of you, your memories, or for those of you who don't read the Bible much, to know from where I come from to get to Genesis chapter 3, verses 22. Now, from Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see the creation stories and to the day where God creates a garden called Eden. And the Bible says he prepares it for man east of Eden. And in there he put two trees. One was the tree of life and the other was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Bible tells us that God allowed man to eat of every tree, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God warned man that he shall not eat. For from the day he shall eat of that fruit, God said that man shall surely die. You remember that story? The scriptures tell us, indeed the serpent came through his subtlety and tricked, deceived, manipulated the ignorance of Adam and Eve to create some sort of a lasting and indeed he cast a vision specifically in the woman and the Bible says the woman saw that the fruit was good for food, pleasant to the eyes and able to make one wise. The Bible says she ate the fruit and gave her husband also. And from that day on, their eyes were open both. And the story says they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made them themselves, made themselves aprons. Now God comes looking for Adam. I'm relieving the story. And um, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God. Adam, where are you? And he said to him, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Who told you you're naked? And then they go on and on. And then God pronounces the judgment that had befallen man and his woman and the serpent. So many of us emphasize the judgments that are pronounced over the man, the judgments that are pronounced over the woman, the judgments that are pronounced over the serpent. But many a time or rarely do we hear us have a conversation on this tree in Eden called the tree of life wherewith God denied man to eat thereof as part of judgment toward man. So in the 22nd verse, if you'll allow me, the Lord God said, after having uh, pronounced all judgment on man, 
he said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now list, he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. Verses 24, so he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So we understand the judgment on the woman which shall carry uh, pain uh, during birth, giving birth. The sweat that the man shall sweat from his brow to earn food and the serpent that is cast than all the animals on the earth and so it crawls on the belly and it shall eat dust. But then God emphasizes we have one more problem. There is a sort of redemption even for fallen man in that nature if he has access to the tree of life. Because in spite the fall of man, in spite the fact that they've set themselves at odd with the will and purposes of God, in spite the fact that they have leaped the breach and broken their relationship with the Father, despite the fact that their eyes have now been opened and now they're able to behold evil and good, they are naked, they're judged for death. God said, even before repentance, should a man go to a tree, the tree of life, and stretch his hands and eat of the fruit of it, God said, that man shall live forever. Now that is deep. That is deep. To think that regardless of the sin, quote and unquote, that had been committed by Adam and Eve in breaking the law God gave them in the Garden of Eden, should they have had access to that tree, the Bible says, they would have lived forever. This is what God says. So he says, let us now turn and drive man out. And then he puts a, an angel and a flaming sword to make sure man does not get in. And so man is banished. And so that's the beginning of life as we know it. You almost think that God will never bring that conversation again. Or that it's a narrative that only defines itself at the beginning of this story, the God story, in relationship with mankind. But in the book of Revelations, and this I found to be astounding, when I studied it, the last time in the Bible, the last time, and I repeat this, in the Bible, that would be called in biblical translation, the law of last mention. The last time the tree of life is mentioned in the Bible, it's mentioned in the book of Revelation 22, verses 14. And this is what it says. It says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Blessed are they that do the commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and that they may enter in through the gates of the city. This is the last time the word the tree of life is mentioned in scripture and God sort of puts a law in play a process in play a pattern in play that there are people who are blessed because they do his commandments and in obedience to his commandments that which he denied Adam and Eve to eat thereof certain people have access to So that tree, wherever it is, it's not there for the rest of humanity and his existence as we know it. Their existence as we know it. 
never to go to or touch or connect to. God has created a pattern here for you. And I want to open your eyes to see what God is saying. That there are people, if you understand how to do his commandments, he says, you will have the right. You will have the right to the tree of life and that you may enter in through the gates of the city. That means there is another way to get there for a man to live forever. I'm going to say very hard things. And I tend to think men like Paul understood this mystery. Because a man cannot give such confidence and a vote over his life with words as powerful as sometimes I'm torn between. I'm torn between, he says. The Bible says, because I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far a better thing, or to abide in the flesh, which is a more needful thing for you. And then he says, anyway, I will abide in the flesh for your sake. But this man is telling you that sometimes he's confused. Should he make the decision to say, let me go to heaven now? Or abide in the flesh, which is a far needful thing for the people he was ministering to, because there are parts I believe in his heart he had not revealed the full counsel to a certain group of people and he felt that his ministry would not be full if he had not released this counsel to them before his departure. Listen to that kind of confidence. Listen to a man who says, for me I can determine whether I go or stay. But what about COVID? What about accidents? What about sicknesses? Paul says, it's my decision. If I choose to go, I go. And if I choose to stay in the flesh, he says, I will stay because it's a far needful thing for you. Such confidence. So I get this understanding that it seems these men started to understand the mystery of the tree of life. And now the way of wisdom starts to spell the pattern for you to understand. He starts to give that correlation between this tree of life and what it ought to bring through as fruit. And I want you to keep a mental note in the back of your head as I take you through a journey in Proverbs. Now this man of wisdom, which comes as the Bible says, to give subtlety to the simple, to give the man which has no understanding to receive understanding. The Bible says to perceive the words of understanding. To give a man discretion and revelation in the person of God. He starts a journey of speaking wisdom, dispelling revelation and understanding as the judgments of God would give him. And in Proverbs 11 verses 30, he starts to speak to you, the reader, because he knows he needs a certain process to get you from one level of understanding to another level of understanding until you get this revelation full. He begins from the 11th chapter, verses 30. He starts to bring back that conversation that we last had in Genesis. First time, the man of wisdom says, the fruit of the righteous, he says, is a tree of life. The fruit of the righteous, he said, is a tree of life. He's bringing back the conversation that you left in Genesis. He's trying to help you understand that actually the mystery of this tree still exists. It's an ongoing principle with heaven for you to embrace. But now he brings that parity to reconcile the two integers, the tree and its fruit. So now for the reader, he's telling you, it does not end in just the shoot. It's the fruit on that tree. And then two chapters later, Proverbs 13 verses 2 from 11, he says, a man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressor 
shall eat violence. Now, he has graduated you from understanding the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. So he says there's a tree of life, it's the fruit of righteous. But if you want to understand what this fruit is, in Proverbs 13, this fruit is actually something that comes out of a man's mouth. Are you following? Are you following? It's not something he eats by picking out, it's something he actually eats by picking from within. And the Bible tells us that, that a man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressor shall eat violence. Now he knows you see the tree of life and he affirms that now you can understand that it's the fruit of the righteous. And if we're talking about the fruit of the righteous, he's talking about the fruit of the mouth. So whatever your mouth speaks is actually a creator of fruit. And then he graduates you two chapters later in Proverbs 15, because he knows now you're mature enough to reconcile this language. And then he says, a wholesome pang is a tree of life. And he says, but the perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. He says a wholesome tongue. If you want to define anything that would come close, anything that by divine language would define what, whatever knowledge God denied Adam to access when he had fallen, it had something to do with what he would use it for with his tongue. This is a creative faculty given to man. But in fallen nature, because of the confusion that comes and the indifference, the Bible calls it being alienated from the life of God. The man becomes indifferent from the way the language and the spirit of God concerning how he has designed life to be. The man is alienated from the mindset of the righteous. The Bible calls it the wisdom of the just. It's called the wisdom of the just. The wisdom of the just. He says that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Luke calls it the wisdom of the just. But when you understand who you are by reason of the new birth, there's a wisdom that comes over you. There's a consciousness that is awakened in you to see life differently, to understand the ways of life differently, to speak differently. And he says that this is what Adam and Eve lost. But the new creature understands because now God dwells inside you through faith. The Bible says, may Christ dwell in your hearts through faith that you're being deeply and grounded in love. He said, you will know, you'll be able to apprehend the depth, the height of his love, the breadth of his love. And as you continue to experience that love, he says, you'll get to a point where you'll become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. And he says that you may come to a place where you carry the richest measure of the divine presence. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.19, it is possible for you to come to the fullness. Read it. He says that you may all really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. Here, he has invited a man into a place of experience. And when a man gets into the place of experience, that man will be filled through all his being into all the fullness of God. And this is defined as the richest measure of the divine presence that you might become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. That man cannot die of cancer. 
I don't care how much you legitimize it with your theology and your warped understandings of the gospel without any affirmations of the spirit because you have not experienced Jesus as he is. Let God be true and every man a liar. Has the Bible said that it's possible to have the richest measure of the divine presence? Answer me. Answer me. Has the Bible said that it's possible for you to carry the richest measure of the presence of God? That you can become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. How can that kind of body carry cancer? How can that kind of body carry a virus? Somebody say with your mouth, I refuse to die. He said a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. He wants to arrest your consciousness to carry the mind of God as you ought to think like God, to speak like God. And he even gives you the warning early. He says, if any man should speak, should you ever wake up to say, I want to speak, let him speak, the Bible says, as the oracle of God, as the oracle of God. First Peter 4, 11. Speak as the oracles of God. In other words, if you are permitted to speak in any circumstance, you're only permitted to speak as God would speak. Now, can God say, you know I'm broke these days. Apostle, can you believe I lost all my money? Can God speak like that? <laughs> Even worse, or deeper, he says, and if any minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth. 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 Remember, God has given us to all men, he has dealt to all men the measure of faith. You know, some people here, when they read this portion of scripture, they tend to think, minister only as far as has been given you individually. But that would conflict the principle of faith. Because the principle of faith has expressed itself in its highest liberties. In such words as, whatsoever you shall say, whatsoever you shall ask when you pray, believe that you have received it. Now that's regardless of how anointed you are. Or unanointed you assume you are. He said, whatsoever you shall ask or desire when you pray, believe that you have received it and you shall have them. Whatsoever. He says, if you believe in your heart, he says, you shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thrown in yonder place. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, it shall remove and nothing, the Bible says, shall be impossible to you. Let me repeat that thing three times. Nothing shall be impossible to you. Nothing shall be impossible to you if you have faith. So when the Bible says, if a man should minister, let him minister in the ability which God has given him. He's not saying that he has given you 10 portions and he has given you 30 portions and the other 60 portions. So let her function in the 60 portions and let you function in the 40 portions. Because when you understand even the principle that looks portions by God, you realize it's not best on who you are, but how faithful you are to the word. Read the parable of the sower. And he says, if you don't understand this parable, you'll never understand any parable. But he says, but some reap 30 fold, some reap 60 fold, and some reap a hundred fold. Not because the one which reaped a hundred fold was predestined to reap a hundred fold, but because he gave himself wholly and applied himself to the letter to fulfill every principle and pattern that was required in the sowing. Because all of us sow at different degrees. We might sow the same seed, but at different degrees. We might all make the same confessions, 
but in different places of faith. You know, faith is a place. Never forget that. It's a place. You remember when Peter walked on water when he tells Jesus, if it you, be you, bid me that I come. And Jesus tells him, come. And the Bible says, Peter walked on water, but then he saw the wind boisterous. And then he feared and he began to sink. And Jesus stretches out his hand, tells him, oh, he of little faith. From whence, he says, did you doubt? From where? At what place in the spirit did you lose your faith? And then got into fear. You see, because faith is a place. From where is thou doubt? Oh, KJV. From where did you doubt? Tell your neighbor, faith is a place. And everyone has their own. Yeah. But he has dealt to every man the measure of faith. But faith came to you as a seed. Every one of us received faith as a seed. Some of you decide to grow it. Others decide not to grow it. Some grow it earlier than others. Some furnish it with all the necessary ingredients for it to grow as they acquaint themselves with truth. And some occasional. It's like you have a plant and I have one, okay? And then you water your plant every morning. But I water mine once in a while. Once in two weeks, all right? And one day they have to compare two plants. You will find that the one which waters more has a healthier plant than the one which waters less. In fact, if somebody doesn't water it, it will refuse to grow. The seed died, the germ came out in the ground, but there were no elements to favor the growth of that seed. Were we all given the same seed? Yes. But one grew their seed and another one did not grow it. That's how faith works. But all of us, the Bible says, God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. There is nobody who has more faith than you. If you see somebody functioning in a higher dimension of faith, that's somebody who has applied themselves, exercised their spirits to grow the seed. That's how it works. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let's go back to this. Because it's important for you to understand that principle. Luke 8.11 says the parable is that the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. Don't forget that. The seed is the word of God. And God gave us Jesus Christ, the person which is the word. Because the Bible says in John, the word was made flesh. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Bible says we beheld his only glory as the only true son of God, full of grace and truth. It's important. I'm going to come back later to this seed to understand it. But let's see how God, through the book of Proverbs, is pushing us to understand this. He has said a wholesome tongue is a tree of life but the perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. That means if you want to breach your spirit, carry a perversive tongue. Remember the Bible has said that the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. There is no weakness. The word there infirmity is weakness. There is no weakness your spirit cannot fight out. Nothing your spirit cannot defeat. Nothing. By the way, nothing your spirit cannot defeat. But the Bible says, some people carry a wounded spirit. And it says, once your spirit is wounded, who can bear? Who can help you? Who can succor you? Who can aid you? Nobody can take you out of that trouble. No prophet, no teacher, no pastor can help you out of the trouble you're in until they heal your spirit first. Somebody says, oh, I'm dealing with disease. And you want to explain to them, no, disease is not the problem. Your spirit is breached. There's a perversion that came out of your mouth and the total sum of those experiences that you ignored over the years is now catching up with you. But I didn't say anything. I don't remember saying anything. Maybe you didn't say something with your mouth, but you said something with your heart. 
See, we have Christians who say, I cannot confess negatively, but their hearts are speaking negatively. Every time I'm talking to somebody, you never confess negatively, but your heart confesses negatively. The Bible says, do not say in your heart. That means you can say in your heart. Otherwise, a dumb person would not go to heaven. People who can't speak, but they're going to go to heaven. Why? Because they confessed with, <laughs> with the inner man. Hallelujah. So there are people who speak with their heart. Oh, I'm going to fail in their heart. But their mouth is not saying it. Then you tell them, maybe you're confessing negative. And they say, no, I've never confessed negative. Have you ever heard me confessing negative? And truly you have never heard them confessing negative. But the spirit realm heard them say something in their heart. Heaven picked it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you learning something? Now that we at a point where you now can understand what a wholesome tongue is, a tongue that speaks truth, a tongue that is aligned to the mind of God and never speaks contrary to his will, his purpose, his mind. That's a wholesome tongue. He says, you're connecting to what God denied Adam and Eve to access because even in their fallen nature, if they knew how to confess right, they would not have died. Eh. Hallelujah, somebody. Are you following what I'm saying? You know, some of us must understand grace generic, okay? When the Bible says that he gives rain and food and bread to the righteous and to the heathen, to the believer and the unbeliever, he says the sun rises on the evil and on the good and he sends rain on them also. He sends rain on them also. Now, those of you who understand this, what do you need rain for? What do you need rain for? To water a field so you can have food. Isn't it? What do you need the sun for? To light the plant that is growing out of the ground. Because those of you who went to school remember, what were the elements you needed for germination? Remember? The process of germination? What were the elements you needed? You needed the sun for light. You needed the rain. And then you needed a good ground, isn't it? And you plant a seed there. The ground here means the heart. Now when the Bible says he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and then he makes the rain to rain on both, it means that he provides the elements for the good and the evil to be able to plant. And whether you're born again tongue speaking or you're competing with a person who has no relationship with God, that principle will apply for them and work for them. Be not deceived. They might not inherit eternal life, but if they know how to plant a seed, it will surely, he says, for as long as the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest that was not subject only for believers even an unbeliever if they plant a seed in the ground it will come out now we're talking about physical seed agriculture but turn that to spiritual there's something God said Adam should not access an Eve and it was important for them not to understand this fully because they were going to live forever yet evil <laughs> or sinful by nature Are you following what I'm saying? He says, if you perverse your tongue, if you speak negative, he says, you will breach your spirit. You will weaken your spirit. You'll conflict with your spirit man. And nobody can pray you out. No prophet can prophesy you. No apostle can apostolize you. Like... 
You understand what I'm saying? Because you have breached the spirit. You have breached the spirit. When he is sure they've understood this, now he graduates us to Proverbs 18. Are you seeing the journey? From 11 to 13 to 15 to 18. Now he can say this boldly. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Again, the fruit has come up. You see? But the fruit of what tree? Either of life, if you speak life, or the tree of death, if you speak death. Because in the garden, there were only two trees that God talked about among all the other trees. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, I always emphasize this because I don't think many people understand it here. Many understand it here, but many don't understand it here. He said, death and life are in the power. In other words, death has no power. Life has no power. The tongue has power. Did you get it? So when Paul says, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? He is emphasizing that where I'm at as a new creation and whatever God has done by Christ in me, death cannot sting. It cannot sting. The grave has no victory. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Your tongue is more powerful than life itself. And your tongue is more powerful than death itself. It doesn't matter how long a person is dead, you have something more powerful. Now I understand why Jesus could do the things he did. Remember the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 11 verses 1. Let's read that. Remember the prophecy. Let me take us back to the prophecy to, to show us the ministry of Christ. Listen, he says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. There shall come out forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Who are we talking about? Jesus. And the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom, this is a branch. He says, I am the vine and ye are the, but then he is the branch that grows out of the roots of Jesse. The Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness, remember the fruit of the righteous, remember the fruit of the righteous, come on, remember the fruit of the righteous, remember he is a branch that has come out of the root of Jesse. Who is understand what I'm saying? He is the branch that has come out, he is, he is the rod that springs forth out of Jesse. He's a branch, he's a shoot. Okay? And the Bible says that with righteousness, verses 4, he shall judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he, listen, shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. The one that is coming can only execute all God has given him by the If he has no mouth, he can't execute anything. If he has no lips,
eyes. He can't heal a lame man. He can't open a blind eye. No, now I understand. You see, you see, with righteousness, the fruit of the righteousness is a tree of life. So he comes to you and tells you, I am the vine. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And he says, but ye are the branches. Anybody that abides in me bears much fruit. Anybody that connects to this flow will bear much fruit. He'll bring forth much fruit. For he says, without me, you can do nothing. Because even I could only do it by a certain pattern. And all gave God gave me was a mouth. He says, he will smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Martha runs to him and says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. He says, Martha, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Yes, I know. You shall raise him on that day. No, you don't understand. Take me to Mary. She might understand it. Because while you were cooking, I was trying to explain something. And it seems you didn't pick it. Mary, what's going on? My master, my brother is dead. Where have you laid him? This man goes with his mouth and says, Father, I thank you. Because you hear me always when I pray for their sake. He goes in front of that tomb and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. A man was dead four days. But the word, the word, the word, the word, the word, the word in the flesh stood in front of a tomb and says, Lazarus. He didn't say it is written. <laughs> Hallelujah, glory to God. This was the word expressing himself in the liberties of the judgments of God's knowledge. Who got it? He goes in front of that tomb and he says, Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> Something is about to come to life. I don't know who I'm charging. I don't know who I'm connecting to. I told you I will preach faith until you walk on water. I promise you. One day you will wake up and just walk on water. I don't know who I'm charging. But something that has died for years is about to come to life. Something that had died for months is about to come to life. Something that had died for hours is about to come to life. Something that had died for decades is about to come to life. Something that had died in family lineages is about to come to life. Something science says can't come to life is up. I don't know who, I don't know which prophet I'm talking to. Hey, hey, hey. But something is about to come. I feel, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I'm still preaching, but I feel somebody has gotten it. I don't know who. But somebody is going to say what this evening. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it, if you love death, you will get death. If you love life, you will get life. Shataka pradega zombra degata. Eya roko tele bodiga zombra degata. Sekete ketelemba kozambra dega. Masombre dege zegele ketele. Rekete kotila bayando. Eya tobe ekere regozimbata. Rekatoli patoli katoba. Tell your neighbor I'm changing my destiny. Ma sombra de gata. Shatala parate. Zombra de gatole parado. Rosi bagatala parate. Rekosierepa. Give your neighbor a high five and tell him something is about to happen to me.
Dead things are coming to life again. I say dead things are coming to life again. You will live and not die to declare the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Hallelujah. You will not die of that sickness. You will not die on those drugs. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know in James when he speaks of, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us. And behold the ships which though they be so great, they are driven of fierce winds, but yet they are turned about with a very small helm. They are turned with a very small rudder. It's a big ship. The winds are boisterous. So big, but a little thing. And James says, you know, James, you must understand where James is speaking from. James, James grew near the sea. If there was anything they could define, they could only define things by how they understood them in Revelation and what was prevailing in that circumstance, in their circumstances. And these men were fishermen. They knew how boats work. And he says, when you look at a rudder, I don't want to bore you in the science, the hydrodynamics, the inertia and what, and pressure on the side of, hey, Nasoma, you understand? But, but listen, if a rudder is changed to one direction, let's just say it's changed to the right. The direction to which it is changed is the more, you know, pressure on the vessel on that side and hence causing it to what? To turn. Once the rudder is straight, it doesn't matter how fast the propeller is moving. That ship can only move in one direction. But once you want to change its direction, you only need to do that. Then it gets a drift angle and that ship will get direction. And he says, it doesn't matter how big a ship is, how big the cancer is, how big the HIV is, how big the poverty is, how big the trouble is, how big the witchcraft is, how big the circumstances are. He says there is something, it is so small, it is so small, but the Bible says it sets fire on hell. He says the tongue is a little member, but can boast of great things. See how much wood or how great a forest a tiny spark can set ablaze. The tongue can set ablaze a whole forest on fire. This little thing you have, this thing here, this small little thing vibrating in your mouth, it's too dangerous. Now, if you have seen ships, big ships, scientifically, if you turn them so quick, right? It will be dangerous. It will be a catastrophe. You can actually capsize. So they have to turn slow. And you know, some of you, the challenge is that you can say, but I've been confessing, I've been confessing, I haven't seen anything yet. The question is not how long you've been confessing. The question is how long you have maintained the confession without putting the rudder back to straight. That's the only question. You know, there are some people, they, they, they turn the rudder to this side and the propeller is pushing. And as the ship stands, starts turning, but because it's not turning quicker than expected, they don't yet see the drift angle. It might be one or two degrees, but the ship has started to drift. And then they confess negatively and the ship goes back. And then they, they, they confess positive and then the ship starts to turn. As it's turning slowly, then they're negative again and the ship goes back. Some of you are like that. But there are people when they... says let your year be yeah and your name be net. if you have decided not to die I'm translating don't die and if you have decided to die if you want to be poor choose poverty but if you have turned a prophet that's why some of you want to get married because you're believing to get married listen Believing, believing, believing is like this. Listen, the Bible says we which have believed have entered into rest. If you have decided to get married, now get married. Stop playing. If you have decided to be a millionaire in dollars, brother, 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 speak it.
it every day. Speak it on breakfast. Speak it at lunch. Speak it at supper. Speak it tomorrow morning. Speak it next week. Circumstances might come contrary. The winds might blow boisterous. But oh! Tell your neighbor, stick to your confession. Maintain. Ay, 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 ay. Ay, 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 ay. Mashata pa katalapa. Mereketelembo diga zombra degata. Revelations 22 verses 1. He says, and he showed me a pure river of water of life. Listen to this life. Remember Jesus says, I have cleansed you by my words. This man with a rod of which he shall smite the earth with his mouth. When the mouth speaks, it releases water. It releases rivers of living water. It is a place of life. So John the Revelator goes to the place where he showed a pure river of the water of life. He saw somebody that had been perfected in this pattern, in this mystery, in this paradigm. And the Bible says, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, there, the tree of life. Woo! When he found a perfected one with pure water, something that had not compromised, conflicted, convoluted, when he came next to it, he found a tree of life there. And it bore 12 manner of fruits. It bore 10 manner of what? Of fruits. And yielded her fruit every month. This one was fruitful every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the plural. When you understand this, God gives you nations. Hallelujah, glory to God. I said, when you understand this mystery, nations are yours. The Bible says, verses 3, and there shall be no more curse. You can't carry the curse of sickness. You can't carry the curse of poverty. You can't carry the curse of lack. You can't carry a generational curse. Hey! He says, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. Verses 4 says, And his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. There shall be no night there. You know when the Bible says, Weeping endures for a night. When they enter that realm, there is no night. <laughs> When they're in that realm, there's no night, so there's no what? Weeping. And there's no need of a what? Candle. Neither light of the sun. For the Lord giveth them light, and they shall reign up to the time they die. Forever. Check somebody and tell them it's crazy, but I'm ready. Ay, 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 ay. God is their light. That means it's possible to live from glory to glory, from victory to victory, from power to power, from grace to grace, from faith to faith. Ay, 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 ay. From increase to increase, from multiplication to multiplication. Coming out of favor, you fall into more favor. Glory to God. And as long as you're still fighting out, you fall into the next level of favor. Somebody shout amen. The Bible says, out of his fullness we have received. Hallelujah. Tree of life. Now God said if Adam gets this mystery and yet he's fallen, he won't die. So this doesn't care. <laughs> the state of Adam. It cares its understanding. But you see, thank God that now as the Bible says in Romans, the righteousness of God has been revealed even the righteousness of God that has been witnessed by the prophets and the law. That righteousness of God through faith. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But they have been justified freely through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's why there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ. For the law of the 
spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set them free from the law of sin and death. God says you have the right to eat. Wholesome tongue. Wholesome tongue. Wholesome tongue. Open your mouth and start to speak, you child of God. You righteous one. You righteous one. You righteous one. Satako pala. Earato brande gazoda. Sharara kosembra de gatalapa. Wholesome tongue. Wholesome tongue. Wholesome tongue. Wholesome tongue. The Hebrew word for wholesome is marpe. Marpe means a healing tongue. A curing tongue. Cure your poverty. Cure your body. Heal. Marpe also means profit. Speak things that profit you. Open your mouth and start speaking profit. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. A healing tongue. Say, I am blessed. I am not poor. Come on, open your mouth and speak. Open your mouth and speak. You're not a man. No, you're not a man. Oh. You're the God. You're not a man, no, you're not a man, no, you're the God of everything, no one like you, no one like you, Jesus, no one like you, no one like you. God of everything, no one like you. You're not a man. You're not a man. You're the God who opens doors, no one can shut. Hey, talapa, ropa dega zombra dega talapa. Come on, speak. It's stunning. It might be turning slowly, but it's stunning. No one like you. You, Jesus, no one like you. You might still be feeling the pain. You might still be taking the same injections and drugs, but something is turning. It's turning. Keep speaking. Keep speaking. No one like 
Ah, say I will not die of diabetes. I will not die of heart disease. Diabetes can't kill me. High blood pressure will never come in my body. In the name of Jesus, sickness is far. Cancer is far. In the name of Jesus, my children can't fail. The Bible says that they shall be for signs. They shall be for wonders. Say I'm a success. My finances are growing. My marriage is working. My husband is aligned to the fear of God. My wife is submissive. In the name of Jesus, come on, speak. Come on, speak, 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 speak to your bones, speak to your ligaments, speak, speak to that career, speak to your projects, speak to your dreams, speak to your aspirations. Things are turning. Things are turning. Things are turning. 
mess with the wrong man. They never mess with the wrong person. They so palapo, palate, maso palatelepa. The days ahead of you are days of victory. They are days of power. They are days of love. They are days of increase. I sense restoration. I hear restoration. I don't know for who, but I hear restoration for a minister. I hear restoration. Restoration. And God blesses you in a better place. I sense restoration. Say it with your mouth, great days ahead of me. Great days ahead of me. The worst has already happened. The best is yet to come. In the mighty name of Jesus, the plans God has for me, they are to prosper and not to harm me. There might be a delay, but I'm not denied. It is working. It is working. I refuse to speak perversely. I refuse to confess negatively in the name of Jesus my house is changing my ministry is changing for better and greater my body is healthy my mind is sound my business progresses my business progresses if you're listening to me and you say Apostle Grace, as you are preaching, I feel like I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to take him as my personal Savior. Repeat these words after me. Just say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died and were raised for my glory. Today, I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life. I'm born again. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999-400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our week fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.